As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. <laughs> this is the Athletic Hockey Show. It is a Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Do, dare we call it spooktacular? It's the Halloween version. And we, yeah. But you didn't come as something. You, you know what? I, I dropped the ball, by the way, on the costume thing for the people watching this on, on YouTube. Uh, Julian's going I'm full so, Deion Sanders. I'm so dis- I'm, I'm disappointed in you, player. I'm disappointed. We're supposed to be a unit together. You know, you oh, can't have this. you can't have primetime doing his thing and then you know his teammates on the defense ain't showing up. What are you supposed to do? Come on. What is this? We can't go out here getting this money and you can't be and you're not and you're not doing your part. What is this? The scariest not, thing you can that's think not of prime time, baby. Sanders. That's not primetime, baby. What is this? Stop that. He's got you cut. CU just like the offensive line at the University of Colorado next year. You gonna be cut with them. That's what's gonna happen. Cut them all. That's what Deion Sanders does. That's what you prime could. time does. Cut them all. Yeah, Julian's leading into it. Uh, we're excited to be with you for the next hour on on Halloween. You know what? One question I regret not asking some guys yesterday. If you're an NHL player, two two questions. One. Uh, do you allow, do you think trick-or-treaters come to your home and know that, that you're a trick-or-treater? But more importantly, is there an expectation you're giving out full-size candy bars? If you're an NHL player, right? You, you don't want to be like rolling into an NHL player's house. Joined by Keith door, Jones, Mr. Then, President. You know, here's some, some little, um, little bite-size Kit Kat. 
You want the I, I think there's an expectation that it's full size candy bars. I agree. I think if you're an NHL player and you make a decent amount of money, so let's exclude the people who are on like minimum contracts and all that. Like you're making a couple mil, you live in a really nice community. Could you imagine being like, I don't know, say like you're Drew Dowdy or something, and you make millions of dollars and you're giving kids like smarties, like not like our not like in Canada, what we call smarties, like what we call rockets up here. What we would call rockets. Could you imagine like Drew? Like, I'm just using him as an example, but like he would be he would be absolutely roasted in in that gated community. I think there's like a social status thing that comes with it too that goes beyond what like we as journalists would would even come to know it's everyone in that area that's just like you don't want to go over to that house like they have all this money but like they're 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 cheap i don't think you ever want to do that i think i think that expectation is just naturally there because you're kind of keep not even just keep it up with the joneses there's just like this reputation to behold you know like it's i think it's like that you got to give out full-size candy bars if you're an nhl player i think that's them's the rules that's i agree uh, with that that's Kit the way Kats, it um, I mean, in America, like, I don't think Oh Henry's really like a big thing there. No. I don't know if this three musketeers either. Okay, I've never had three musketeers. Nestle Crunch. Yeah, these Nestle are the Crunch American is... candy bars. Uh, you know, baby Ruth. coffee crisp. I don't coffee think there's crisp coffee crisp in the United there. States. No, they don't have no. that. It, like trick or treating experiences must be so. I mean, it, it's obviously way different in the states in terms of the candy you get. But like, I have no real sense of like what an average haul should look like for an American trick or treater in Canada. Like, you're getting the little bags of chips. I don't. Yeah, the rockets will pop up too. The surprise will pop up too. You might get some M and M's. The Reese's cups. You get a lot of those. You get a Reese's lot of those cups. Reese's cups. Yo yeah. Henry's. Uh, you get coffee crisp in there too. Big time, um, man. It's been at least a decade. I think it's been like well, it's more than way more than a decade. That, that I, I was in like seventh grade last time I went trick or treating. That was like the last time I went. Yeah. So so yeah, ten wait. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My math yeah. is wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, it's been way too long. I don't. I don't know what's on these streets anymore. No. Remember when we asked uh, Mike Russo the last time he dressed up for Halloween? And he kind of gave us a... Anyway, I'm excited. Russo's going to drop by here in a few minutes. We got the mic check with Keith Jones. You know, the Flyers are a great story. But you know who else is a great story? The Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. And Monday night, uh, you know, we had Josh Yoey on. We're talking about the Penguins' struggles. Pittsburgh loses in regulation again, this time to Anaheim. The manner in which they lost was remarkable as the Penguins in the final minute of the game are on a five-on-three. Just as the first penalty expires, Mason McTavish pops out of the box, is sprung on a breakaway, and scores with about 12 seconds left. I submit this to you, Julian. Is there a better feeling as an NHL player than scoring a game-winning shorthanded goal in the dying seconds of regulation, like that's better than an overtime goal. Like, I because mean, all the other team's got a point. This is like you, like a, you're not even thinking about. You're just like, hey, let's just get it to overtime. Let's just get the point, and you come out of nowhere. Like, tell me, what would be a more satisfying goal than a game winner with 12 seconds left? That just that's a shorty. Nothing. Penalty shot, maybe. What maybe? about so either a penalty shot or we just came across the anniversary for this. 
what if you get a goal with like 0.9 seconds left, you win the face off, and all you have time for is a shot, and you get that shot and it goes through. I don't, I, I forget how many years ago it happened, but Tyler Toffoli did it for the LA Kings in overtime uh, against the Boston Bruins. And literally the anniversary of that just came like this past weekend. I but mean, that was overtime, right? That was overtime, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, both teams already had a point. I'm talking about end of regulation time. You're stealing points now from the other, the other team. That's all. I guess that's fair, but like that's all. That's a buzzer beater, right? Like that's. I mean, even Mason McTavish was still like a little bit of time on the clock. Okay. Like oh, that, I'm asking. My, my counterpoint is like my counterpoint is that like mm. if it's not going to be like that, like whether it's end of regulation or overtime, like the fact that it's as close of a buzzer beater as you can get, that might be that could no. hold a candle. Okay, so what would you rather do? Would you rather score a goal with like 0.5 seconds left to win it or a shorty with 12 seconds left? Because I, I think I'm going shorty because it just I'm it going twists the, the less amount of time, the better really? for me because you don't want I don't want any opportunity for the, for that other team to come back. I mean, any opportunity to score a goal. I mean, I, I, I played a ball hockey league and I haven't scored in any of the games I played. Any goal, I, I will take any goal. That will, that will satisfy me. Are you, are you me playing no defense way. in this ball hockey league or what? No, they got they got me on the they got me on the wing. I started as a defenseman, and then they put me on the wing because uh, I'm not a really good puck carrier. But uh, I, I like I like my role. I, I I like my role at forward, even though. So I are, this is this this ball hockey league. Yes. Uh, orange ball. Yes, orange ball. Plastic blades or regular blades to the sticks. Uh regular blades. Regular, regular blades. blades. Some shape, some not. Shin pads. Yes. Shin pads, yes. What else? What else we got for equipment here? Uh, I use these because uh, I, I, I I don't like skate or anything like that. I bought these like lacrosse gloves, which could totally pass as regular hockey gloves, just yeah. as a way to uh, just to kind of get by. Uh, I went stick shopping uh, with my uh, good buddy up in Calgary, uh, George Rusick, who hosts uh, the morning show at Sportsnet 960. Uh, we got ourselves some pretty good sticks, and we were even testing them out off uh, to the side in this one room. Uh, which is really funny, considering the fact. I, again, I do not score goals, but we did. We did go score. We did go stick shopping. Uh, no, it's pretty legit though. Uh, we're on this team called the Royals. We won. Uh, we won a league title over the summer, uh, not with my help, obviously. Well, but uh, did you score it, it a goal fun, during the playoff run? No, I was. I was in Ottawa and Montreal during the playoff run. I was. I was. At, it was during like Stampede and when everyone was like away. So like the, all that went down, and and I missed the playoff run. I'm a total. Hmm total schmuck for missing that playoff run yeah just okay so you haven't you haven't scored a goal and your team won the championship without you but yep oh yeah i i I, i'm totally aware of the jokes that present itself with that i'm ready to get roasted too easy low low hanging fruit fun game last night pittsburgh anaheim we thought was going to be a fun game it was the calder trophy kind of showdown logan cooley in arizona hosting Connor bedard in chicago bedard scores 30 seconds into the game and you're like here we go. Let's rub our hands yeah. together. It's going to be awesome. And then Arizona strikes back with eight unanswered goals. Uh, Michael Carsoni gets a hat trick. Uh, boy, you know, Anaheim's a great story. I love uh, Arizona, too. But that that Calder showdown kind of fizzled. Bedard with one goal. Cooley with one assist. And uh, a lopsided game, to say the least. Eight to one. You know what's funny? Uh, my, my good buddy Steve Dangle has uh, Clayton Keller in in fantasy, and eight one result for Arizona. 
Would you like to guess the amount of points Clayton Keller had in that game? He didn't have any, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I a Wood like, game. I, I looked at the game, box score, and uh, you know, uh, Carsoni had four. I think what McBain had four. There's a couple guys yeah. had four, and I and then I looked at the big boys for Arizona. I was like, well, they they kind of were were shut out there. Uh, McBain and I. I don't know. I feel bad that I'm forgetting the other teammate. There were two guys on the Arizona Coyotes who had a Gordy Howe hat trick. Oh, uh, it was uh, Liam O'Brien, I think. Yeah, Liam O'Brien and and right? and, and Jack yeah. McBain. Uh, I don't know if it's ever happened where two teammates have gotten a Gordie Howe hat trick in the same game. Like that's not you something that stat, You ever see the stat where Gordie Howe himself only had two Gordie Howe yeah. hat tricks or whatever yeah, it is? I forgot. Someone brought that up like a couple of weeks ago. It's like we've made it like, the thing, and he's only done it like he had only done it like a small amount of times. But do you think that that's a function of like record keeping in the 1950s was like super shoddy? Like they probably had some rando guy sitting in the penalty box with like a bottle of whiskey and he's like, ah, all from Del Vecchio. Uh, let's give Lindsay an assist. I don't know. Let's call it a 1228. Could you imagine traveling back in time and seeing that guy and trying yeah. to explain to him what Corsi means? Listen, there's going to be advanced. <laughs> Sir, are you are you aware of advanced stats? Are you aware of what an expected goal is? Yeah, <laughs> expected by whom? Yeah, oh, it's God. really two nothing, but really the rates for them should be like three point six. Like they've been hammering them all game. Yeah. Anyway, it, it was a busy night on Monday. So uh, the, the the Calder Trophy showdown. Blake Wheeler had his return to Winnipeg as a member yeah. of the. Of, of the Rangers, you know, his conversation with Christine Simpson uh, was really enlightening where Wheeler basically says to Chris, uh, I had a lot of growing up to do, even though I'm, and I'm paraphrasing here, even though I was 36 years old, I had a lot of growing up to do and, and stripping the captaincy maybe was the right thing and, and get, getting bought out. It was all good. And he had a nice ovation from the crowd at MTS yesterday. It wasn't like they came back and they gave him a frosty reception. No guy had a captaincy strip. But interesting, like I love it when athletes are willing to open up. And great job by Chris Simpson to get um, to get that. And uh, it's interesting, right? Like like Blake Wheeler's admitting, ah, that was probably the best thing for me to get the captaincy strip. Yeah, I I remember doing a story on this last year and and talking to to Nate Schmidt about it and he seemed to i mean back then was was kind of saying what what blake was saying to chris just that he looked a little different uh just without the sea and just it kind of alleviated some pressure that being said the winnipeg jets were in a much better spot i think it was around not too far away from christmas uh when i had that chat with nate schmidt about it and then they kind of fell off in that second half of the year they still made the playoffs but they looked like the best team in Canada for a good chunk of the year. And then something just kind of happened to them in that second half of the year. And, you know, we, we had that convo with, with Kevin Chevel day off earlier this year about how they now have a captain and how much they like to give it to Adam Lowry. And, you know, they're, they're in the, they're in the position that they're in right now, but I, I don't mind the fans reacting the way that they did to Blake Wheeler. who's a guy who was there for a really long time. Uh, they still saw some success with, with him as a, as a leader. I'm sure there are people uh, in that Winnipeg market who feel a bit differently about it. They have, might have mixed feelings depending on how he may have clashed with some teammates who have gone in and out of the organization. 
but it's still good that they were able to 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 celebrate a guy who who liked who seemed to like being in Winnipeg and seemed to like being that face of that team, or at least one of the major faces of that team for as long as he was. You know, and we were worried. Remember, I told you, I was like, uh oh, what if we put the Kevin uh, uh, hex on Kevin Chevel Day off because he joined the podcast, and I think Winnipeg lost their next game, but they're they're yeah. I'm just double checking this four three and two. You know, so it depends on which prism you want to look through. You could say, "Ooh, the Jets have only won four of their first nine games," or you can say they've got points in six of nine games and they're hanging into a wild card spot. But, but they're they're for a team that, like you said, kind of imploded in the back half of last year. This is probably as good of a start as you could have expected for them. Like I, I never expected that they would be hanging with Vegas and Colorado, but I thought they would be able to kind of be where they are, which is hanging around the, the fringes of, uh, you know, kind of the, the third spot in the division or the wild card spot. So it's it's working out for them so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're only two. I mean, it's really early. You're still at that point where, I don't know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a bicycle race where you'll, you, some guys are still in that peloton. They're still trying to fight for position. I mean, they're only two points behind the Colorado Avalanche right now in that division. And the Minnesota Wild, that's a team I thought that they would be in that top three, they're, they're only two points behind. There's like a log jam right behind the log jam. Jets with with the Preds, the Coyotes, and 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 the Wild right now in terms of points. Uh, like it, I I think the Wild eventually could could get out of it. We'll see how it goes for them. But yeah, it makes sense that the Winnipeg Jets are are there. I still expect them to kind of hang around. I still don't know if they're a playoff team in my eyes, but I, I still expected them to kind of hang around in that spot. You know. It's interesting when you look at the West too, um, that Vancouver is doing what they're doing and they're having a lot of fun doing it. And the big boys are playing well and Demko's playing well. And you know, that's a team I'm, I'm really curious to see how that plays out with Vancouver, but that might be the biggest surprise to me in the entire league. Yeah. I, I I'll give the Vancouver Canucks this man, like just the, the way they've looked in offensively production from Brock Besser, uh, Quinn Hughes is an early Norris favorite yeah. right now, considering the work that he's been able to do in all situations for that team. Yeah, I, I, I did not think the Vancouver Canucks would be this good to start the year. Again, it's really early. Some teams haven't reached the 10 game. I think I don't know if any team has really reached the 10 game mark as of yet. A small handful of teams like Carolina have. But like, I don't I don't know. There's something about the way that Vancouver has been able to start out. Rick Tockett is doing a really good job coaching them. Uh, he, he just had needed that time from last year to kind of impose himself, get the systems in, and now it looks like the Canucks are, are off to a good start. I, I will give them props for that, but again, it's really early in the season for that. Yeah, Vancouver and Nashville play each other tonight on Tuesday night. They're both sitting in a playoff spot ahead of the Minnesota Wild. And why don't we uh, step out here for a second. When we come back, speaking of the Wild, Mike Russo is going to pop by for his weekly Tuesday visit. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's bring in Mike Russo, shall we? Tuesday visit with our pal Mike Russo, who, just like me, is not donning the Halloween stuff today. No, like no. no, but I do know now why uh, I never hear back from either of you. I should start texting rather than emailing. <laughs> exactly. Thousands of unread oh. emails. <laughs> Thousands of them for each of us. It was um, my mistake. Yeah. Hey, listen, Mike, we're, we're excited to have you on, as we always do on Tuesdays. Uh, eager to hear your conversation with Keith Jones. Uh, but we do want to start on, on unfortunately, this is, a, this is a tough one. It was a tough one in the hockey world. And I know especially in your area, in Minnesota, this story uh, really hit close to home with uh, with Adam Johnson dying after what we can only call a freak accident yeah. in a hockey game. And, and we, you know, we want to give you a little bit of space to talk about some of the conversations you've had in the last couple of days and how you're trying to process what has been such an emotional story for a lot of people, but especially in uh, in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, what I remembered of Adam Johnson was his high school days, uh, which was, you know, 20, 2011, he was a sophomore in high school, and and uh, Hibbing was down 4-1 in the in the state semifinals right 12 minutes from where I am, and he scored a natural hat trick and almost got them, uh, you know, single-handedly erased the deficit and, and almost got them the state championship. And he really put himself on the radar here in Minnesota, then obviously went to Duluth and had a good uh, career there until the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, um, sign him. And, and so, you know, I, 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 I don't know Adam personally. I didn't know Adam personally, but I do know a lot of people that are really good friends with him because I know a ton of people from those Minnesota Duluth teams, the Neil Pionks and the Riley Tufties and the Carson Kuhlman. So, you know, I just thought that I was the person to maybe tell the story. And I, I talked to Scott Sandlin for it. And, and, um, you know, by all accounts, I mean, this was just one great kid from the iron range here in Minnesota and everybody in the iron range, whenever you mention the iron range, people smile because it's up there in northern Minnesota and it's small towns up there and very close-knit communities and and hockey is absolutely king up there. And this kid was just a, a dynamite, uh, super fast um, hockey player with a ton of skill that went on, as I said, and, and had a good career. And and so, um, you know, it was a tough story to write and and talking to a lot of his friends, the Riley Tufties, even listening to Bill Guerin talk and and hearing him cry on my shoulder and his agent as well, um, you know, it was just a tough story. And it, it's obviously just a, a tragic, sad situation. Um, I texted uh, last night with uh, Weston Michaud, who plays on the Nottingham Panthers, is from Cloquet, Minnesota, Jamie Langenbrunner's country, and um, and was right there, on not only on the bench, but went to the am- in the ambulance with the kid uh, to the hospital. And, um, you know, it's just an awful, awful situation. Um, for everybody, uh, not just, uh, you know, the hockey world, but um, unimaginably his family. Is there a particular anecdote from those you, you've spoken to over the last few days that stands out the most uh, when you were getting as much as you could about Adam? Um, you know, mostly, uh, you know, the one thing that really touched my heart is Carson Coleman had a, his wedding on July 28th. And, you know, if you know the college teams here in Minnesota, every summer, all the former teammates of these teams are so close. They get together for golf tournaments, weddings and things like that. And, um, you know, this group of players, you know, they were at Neil Pionk's wedding. They were obviously at Riley Tufte's wedding. And then Carson Coleman was July 28th. And it was the last time that really all these guys got to see each other. And 
and uh, Adam was was the life of the party, everybody said. And the one anecdote that really touched my heart um, was I talked to Carson Coleman on Sunday, and he told me that the second he, he's playing for Bridgeport right now, um, everybody, I think, remembers him with the Boston Bruins. And when he got back to, uh, to Bridgeport after a weekend series in Charlotte, he went in and, and hugged his wife, Kenzie, and, and, you know, and said that, you know, thank goodness for this party because it was the last time that we all saw, not only all saw Adam, but all saw him happy. And th those memories will be in his, in his mind forever. Um, you know, uh, I just, the other one that really touched my heart was talking to Scott Sandlin, his college coach. And, you know, um, uh, you know, and again, I don't want to reveal a ton of stuff that wasn't in stories because a lot of stuff I didn't use for uh, multiple reasons. The one thing he said is the Cornell game for him meant absolutely jack shit. And, and that really hit me. And then the other one was, you know, and again, I don't want to say too much, but, but, you know, Aaron, you know, Neil Pionk's brother plays for Duluth and um, Neil Pionk and Adam Johnson were uh, incredibly close. I mean, uh, you know, not only played at college, but played at Sioux city together. And, and um, I know that Neil is having a really tough time uh, with this. And, uh, and I know when they told his brother after the game at Cornell the other night, he absolutely uh, broke down. And so, um, this is, you know, it's just a reminder that, that these are real people, you know, for some of us, uh, you know, we write about them and, and they're just a name, Adam Johnson, the people that, that, you know, throw around things on Twitter, um, you know, don't think of these as actual human beings. Like, you know, the, the, like I was looking at, uh, at Weston's Twitter account yesterday and Weston put a really nice thing about uh, the person that did this to, to Adam um, and, and to try to tone down the hate directed in him. And um, he had no reason to do it. This is his, one of his closest friends in the world. And he did that. And then I'm looking at his Twitter account and people that have no idea who Matt Pedgrave is, who has no idea who Matt Adam Johnson is, who has no idea who Weston Machado is, is just throwing the most disgusting nonsense at this kid's Twitter account. He is grieving. Um, his close friend. And, um, you know, I think that all of us sometimes need to take a step back and realize that a human being died here and another human being's life is going to be affected for the rest of his life. And, um, and realize that this is just not, uh, you know, a computer screen that we're throwing, you know, barbs at uh, to actual robots. This is a real human that's having to read this when he wakes up in England today. And I just think it's, it's really, really sad and continues to say a lot about our society. You know, Mike, what we hope is sometimes in the aftermath of a tragedy like this, there's an opportunity to reflect on how can we prevent something like this from happening again. And I know that you had a conversation very recently with NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly about this. And I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners the sort of the, the tone of that conversation as it pertains to net cards. Yeah. Now, to be fair, that was an, it was an email back and forth. Um, he opens yeah. his emails, unlike you two. Um, so, uh, so he, did, he replied right away. Um, we got to get him on Grammarly, I guess. Um, yeah. but, uh, he, uh, you know, what he did say is that, um, what I, what I wanted to talk to him about and open a conversation is, you know, have you discussed, started spitballing ideas with your 32 clubs here on, uh, on neck protection. And what he said is that he, that the league has been vigilant in trying to get them, trying to recommend this for years. And that he's hoping that, you know, this horrible, horrible tragedy basically helps their causes. And, um, you know, Jeff Merrick reported today, or, or maybe Bill Daly was on NHL radio, where he said that they've started talking to Marty Walsh about this. And 
Um, you know, Mark Lazarus did a great story in the Athletic uh, yesterday that that I contributed a little bit on, and he talked to T.J. Oshie, and Oshie's quotes in that story are absolutely gripping. Where he just said the guilt that he would have if he took one to into the neck and and didn't return home that night to his children, and and he has a company up here in Warroad, Minnesota, that makes all sorts of protective um, gear, and that you know he's going to start. Uh, essentially trying out his neck protection that comes from the the company Warroad um, with some Capitals players this week. And, you know, this is a monkey see, monkey do league. And I really think that if one or two players started to wear it, that all of a sudden it would catch on and people would realize that, hey, it's just not, it's, it's worth having something in your most vulnerable spot on your body. We've started to see cut-resistant socks, cut-resistant. Uh, we see TJ Oshi wear the wristbands um, that his company makes on his wrists. Um, but the neck is what could kill you in seconds, as we have seen. And um, it, there's been a ton of close calls um, in the National Hockey League with Zednik, with uh, Will Borgen when he was in high school here, um, and Clip Larchuk, obviously, who I know extremely well. Um, but this is an eye-opener that this could easily happen in this league. And, like, I don't know if it's 100% protective on something like this. This seemed to be an unbelievably, um, you know, rare, uh, you know, essentially boot to the to the neck uh, at a horrible angle. And, and I don't know what could always just be 100% to stop that. But I do think that um, players sometimes are – we know how finicky they are with their gear, sometimes stubborn, and if just one or two players would do it, I think we'll see more and more. We saw Thomas Volcanic wear it. Um, so maybe that's, you know, contrary to what I'm saying. But I do think that if now, after everybody has seen this tragic situation, that maybe this will be sort of the catalyst to bring it in. And, um, and like visors, like helmets, at a minimum, maybe if you start using it at lower levels, the AHL um, and, and things like that, Maybe we could start seeing at least a grandfathered in the league. But I think we're going to start to see more and more players wear it. You know, Riley Tufty told me the other day that he's having trouble getting this out of his head and that he's considering it right now. And and this is somebody with a young family as well. And, and so I just think that, you know, it makes all the sense in the world to put as much protection on you as possible. Because as we all see, um, you know, one one tragic situation could could result in you not coming home to your children, your wife, everything. Yeah, and life is everything. Um, the English Ice Hockey Association yesterday announced that they were going to mandate it for 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 their players. I think I said yesterday that I wasn't sure if that was the federation that was above what league that uh, Adam Johnson was in. What what league Adam Johnson was in? I think that's a step below from that league. But still, the fact that they reacted as quickly as they did that really stood out to me. What I've when I when I, I remember seeing Richard Zednick unfortunately go through a similar situation. Uh, it was as scary as it was, but I don't remember unless you guys could tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember any other federation or any other league stepping up immediately in that moment and saying, we're going to mandate neck guards. I, I think the fact that this has resonated with so many people the way that it has. And now that Bill Daly is acknowledging that this is something they have to get on the radar. It feels like it's only a matter of time before it gets to a point where, as you, as you said, it is grandfathered in. And I'm thinking of the equipment companies. You mentioned Warroad uh, working with TJ Oshi. How many of those other companies are, are starting to innovate their own technologies, right? You hear so many people say that they get rid of those neck guards because it just doesn't feel comfortable, right? Even there is, even though there is that safety factor, there's a comfort level. And I get that people feel differently about comfort, about certain types of equipment. That's why we see the variety that we do on so many other pieces of equipment. But considering how 
this particular piece of equipment has come into the spotlight, I'm thinking of those other of those other innovators and designers who can make a better product ultimately. So more and more people will be fine with with wearing these neck guards. Absolutely. And, and Bauer put out a press release yesterday indicating that they would like to do just that. Um, you know, and 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 I will will say, I mean, they they've got to figure out a way to make this comfortable but protective. Um, you know, I talked to Dean Evison the other day, and when he he said that when he played in Europe, it was mandatory there to play, to wear those um, that protective gear. And he said that it was so restrictive that a lot of players actually took out the Kevlar and the stuff that was inside, which obviously defeats the purpose to just wear it cosmetically um, to, to, you know, I mean, so they've got to figure out a way. If that is going to be the problem that players are going to have, they've got to figure out a way to make it comfortable. Um, you know, I, I obviously think it's foolish, but I don't play the sport. Um, I don't wrap myself around, you know, all this protective gear. And so they've got to just figure out a way to, to make it comfortable and protect these guys because, um, you know, this, this could easily happen in this league. And, um, you know, uh, and I, I just really, really hope that we, none of us ever have to see that in, uh, up close and personal, like all, like all those fans had to see, um, and the two teams had to see, um, you know, I just, like, I accidentally saw the video. I didn't want to see it. And it is, it is, it's the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I've covered some scary instances in the national hockey league, you know, guys like Cam Stewart getting knocked down and convulsing on the ice, but, uh, you know, uh, Scott Mellenby crashing in the boards of Montreal, um, Curtis Foster crashing the boards in San Jose, uh, Taylor Fadoon here in Minnesota. But I have, I have never seen something like this and I, God forbid, hope that I never have to see it again. Yeah. I, you know, I was in Ottawa the night that Brian Burrard had his, uh, eye damaged by Marion Hosa's stick back in the day. And it's still jarring to me to think about the blood and, and, and the green. Anyway, it's, I have not seen that video. I intend to never see that video. And I hope anybody who's sharing that video really thinks long and hard about why on earth you would share that. And like you said, it's a, it's, it's a really upsetting thing. Hey, Mike, before we get to your conversation with uh, Keith Jones, as we switch gears here for a moment, um, the reason why you were in Philly to get Keith Jones is that's where the Wild started a three-game road trip, a road trip that ended with exactly zero wins. So they lose against Philly. They lose, I think, in a shootout against Washington. Then they lose to New Jersey. I think I got that right in that order. What's going on in Minnesota? What's, what's um, happening here with the Wild? They're not getting uh, – first of all, I mean, it's, it starts with Spurgeon and Boldy being out of lineup, but especially Spurgeon. It's really just created havoc with their blue line. Um, you know, they're, they're playing with, obviously we know a team that right now it came into the season with 15 million less than everybody else. But when you add all these other players, Boldy, Spurgeon, um, Goudreau and Galagasi, they're basically fielding rosters, 30 million less than everybody else, but that's the excuses. Now let's talk about what we're seeing on the ice, we're seeing porous defense, abysmal special teams Their special teams is absolutely picked up right where it left off in the playoffs, where the playoffs are power play and their penalty kill, especially were just God awful. Um, has picked up there. They've given up nine goals and 28 chances. Their power play has had ample opportunities to win them games, and they have not. And the other thing is we are seeing a Kirill Kaprizov that is essentially playing nondescript games, a non-factor. He knows it, um, but he's got to start playing the way a superstar plays. If he wants to be considered a top-five winger in the league, he's got to be a lot more, a lot better than he is now. I know he's got nine points in nine games, but they has not been a threat in most of those games um, only has two goals in the season, and and right now they just need him to play better. And this is not anything to do with who the number one center is, as a lot of Wild fans like to 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 say to excuse uh, Kaprizov. And speaking of which, that 
number one center was the number three star of the week last week. So this is on Kirill, and he's just got to be a lot, lot better. Uh, I wanted to know about an update regarding um, uh, Eric Stahl and Zach Parise, two free agents, uh, two guys you've seen play in Minnesota, but uh, not with teams right now. What's the latest on those two guys? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, we're hearing a lot of rumors uh, with Zach. Uh, you know, one rumor is that he's done and is going to start coaching Adina High School, which, uh, you know, maybe that would be a beautiful story. I'd love to cover that him, uh, him start coaching, uh, the high school level or youth level on um, the other is that he started skating again. And, and, um, you know, it would not shock me, you know, after a 21 goal season that he had last year, it almost surprised me that he didn't sign the contract with the Islanders, but I think he wanted to take some time off, uh, spend some time with his family, uh, go to Ireland and places like that. Um, but now it sounds like he's skating again. And if those reports are true and Chris and, you know, CJ is the one that's reported that um, that means that he's at least considering signing, re-signing with the Islanders. I would think that that would be the only team that he'd re-sign with. Aerosol is another story. You know, the longer he goes, I think the longer, the less, you know, the more doubtful I am that he's going to continue to play. Um, you know, I thought he looked really good last year for Florida uh, playing in a fourth line role. Obviously he went to the Stanley cup final the year before this, and, you know, he went to Montreal year, the two years before that as well, went to the Stanley cup final. So he could play in a fourth line role, but I think people just worry about at his age, especially with his time off, if he's going to be able to, you know, really get up and down the ice as well as he used to um, at, again at his age. So it wouldn't shock me if we see Zach come back. Plus he's tied with Bill Guerin in in uh, goals and wouldn't shock me if he wants to at least get one more than, <laughs> than the guy that bought him out here in Minnesota. So yeah. I love it. All right. Uh, before we let you go, why don't you set up this conversation that we're going to uh, to listen into, a chat with Flyers president uh, Keith Jones. Yeah, I mean, I think all of us here, especially in the States, that get to watch, used to get to watch him all the time uh, nationally. We're just bummed when he took this job as president of the Flyers because he's so good on TV. But Brian Boucher has taken over both in Philly on the local broadcast era and also on TNT and is doing a tremendous job. But um, you know, uh, Keith brought, brought us through on this conversation, uh, the interview process of taking the job, how he kept it a secret from everybody. I mean, nobody knew every all, even his closest confidants, um, his plans for helping Daniel Briere build that franchise. And we're seeing a very competitive team here in the early going, but this is just the beginning of the rebuild. And then, um, again, how much he misses, uh, TV and, and, uh, it's a different role now. You know, now when they lose in the last second to Shea Theodore in, in Vegas, he's not diagramming the play in between the benches. He's feeling the sting of that. And so it's a totally different role. And uh, I, I think the Keith, uh, you know, the other thing about him is he's such a well-spoken spokesman that he wants to bring transparency to this job and really communicate well to what the plans are to the Flyers faithful there um, who have been through a lot the last several years. So I think we're going to see a very um, transparent, management group there, uh, both from Daniel Breer and also uh, Keith Jones. All right. Well, listen, we're looking forward to the conversation. Thanks, as always, for dropping by the uh, the Tuesday pod. Yep. See you guys. All right. There goes Mike Russo. And yeah, Julian, why don't we listen in? A, a conversation. The Flyers off to, a, a, hey, by their standards, yeah. nine points in nine games. Pretty good start. Let's listen in. It's Mike Russo in conversation with Flyers president, Keith Jones. It really did just on me. Last time you and I tatted on a podcast, it was you and Darren Pang before the Winter Classic, a little uh, warmer 
right now. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here in Philadelphia, which exactly. is great. It's always degrees. sunny here, isn't it? Isn't yeah. that the name of the show? Uh, but yeah, it's great to see you, Mike. Thanks yeah, for uh, absolutely being willing to catch up with me. Yeah, again. yeah. No, thanks for doing it. Um, how is how has life changed? You have to be more professional now. It, your people refer to you as Mr. President. Uh, no one does that. I'm still Jonesy, <laughs> thankfully. But it's um, you know, it's a little bit different for uh-huh. sure. You know, you have. Uh, you have a lot on your mind. I, I went from losing, you know, watching a game and win or lose, moving on to the next one. And now wins and losses matter again, which is refreshing for mm-hmm. someone that lived it as a player uh, to get back in there and have things that uh, seem to really matter. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's took some getting used to or has taken some time to get used to. But uh, at the same time, it's really invigorating. Yeah, I look at your team, and it is a hardworking team. Obviously, banged up on the back end right now, but Carter Hart's playing outstanding up front. You're very, very, very talented. Um, what do you, where are you in this in this rebuild? Where last time you and I talked after you took the job, it was you were telling Flyers fans they were going to have to be patient. Yeah, I, I think part of any you know rebuild, it's building the locker room mm-hmm. first and foremost, um, the personalities within that locker room the amount of care that they have for one another. Um, I'm really impressed with all of those things so far this year. Um, I think our team, I think our players love each other. I think Mm -hmm. that's a great thing. And that's where it starts. Now, do we have an eye on the future? Yes. Are we ever going to not want our team to give everything they have to win the hockey game that's in front of them? We're always going to ask for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's kind of the way we look at it, but we are impressed with the players that we have right now. Right. And our number one priority, though, is being a good hockey team for a long time. And that's kind of the balancing act that we're going through. But we want to draft well and we want to add free agents at the appropriate time. And it's not that time just yet. And the the draft, uh, your your first uh, as president of Hockey Ops with Daniel Breer, how do, how do you feel like you hit right there? Uh, I was really impressed yeah. by, you know, the way things fell into place. There's no question we had some good karma. Uh, getting Meechkoff at number seven was the perfect place to be. Right. And it kind of obviously benefited us. So in our situation, uh, it gives a timeline. It kind of shows our fans where we expect to be and where we're headed with, you know, a talented young man that's, uh, just extremely exciting to think about, mm-hmm. um, but also affords us time to be patient and continue to add pieces around him and for him. And when he arrives, we expect to be a team that's getting ready to take the next step. So, yeah. and Brent Flair, uh, obviously, uh, the t- the top of your draft table, uh, uh, hit a home run with Kaprizov in the fifth round. Uh, so he's had this history before with Russian players. Yeah, he has. And, you know, it's it was interesting in the weeks leading up to the draft. It was a quick turnaround for mm-hmm. me because I had just finished doing the final for TNT with Vegas, uh, ultimately winning the cup. And bang, we were obviously right in the thick of it. And those mm-hmm. guys had done an extremely large amount of work during the season to be prepared because we did have two first mm-hmm. round picks. And um, what impressed me the most was we went into the draft wanting to get two players in the area that we knew we were drafting in, and we got both players. Those were the two guys that we had kind mm-hmm. of mapped out that were going to be there. And so much of that had to do with, you know, Brent Flair and his group of amateur scouts 
slotting people in the right places, mm-hmm. uh, recognizing where teams were, you know, looking to draft certain players and, you know, kind of making sure that we were ready for whatever was in front of us. But at the same time, we had an expectation that we were going to get both Meechkoff and Bonk in round number one. And we ended up doing that, which I thought was really impressive. Yeah. Amazing. Um, you, last time, I was, it's funny, I was just rereading the story that I, I wrote on you and sort of documenting on how, and we'll talk about that in a second, how you kept it a secret for weeks upon weeks uh, that you were even interviewing uh, for this job. Um, but you, the one thing that you did say in that story is that, look, Daniel Breer is going to be the final decision maker and I'm going to be more of a sounding board. Is that is that how it's, uh, it's laying out right uh, now? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm there for him. And my job is to make sure that I give Danny all the resources mm-hmm. that he can get in order to, you know, make trades, uh, sign players, um, go about his day-to-day business and take away some mm-hmm. of the extra things that can come for a, a guy that's trying to do it by himself. Um, we have a great relationship. We had it before. Uh, it's even better now and uh, really enjoy his company. It can be a pretty lonely job on either side of this. Right. You know, if you're a president by yourself and general manager who's just traveling by himself. I don't think it's great. I think uh, we've got a situation where we both go together. And um, at this point where our team is at, we're making sure that we're watching everything very closely and analyzing our own club as well as keeping an eye, you know, around the league and really around hockey everywhere in the world. Uh, Having two people do it is, I think, the right way to do it. And I think more teams um, should do it that way. Right. Uh, and by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, go back in the archives, the athletic hockey show back in March, uh, right after Daniel was uh, named interim GM. I sat down with him in Florida for, for a podcast and it was a great chat. Um, as well, last time I talked to you too, you were, you were, you had just moved to Florida basically a year and a half ago to, uh, you know, to Ocala. And then all of a sudden now you had to up, uproot your life again. So you are full time back here. Uh, we are. Uh, uh-huh. My wife is still going back and forth to Florida. This was, uh, you know, this is a big ask yeah. for me to ask her to come and, you know, be a part of this. And she's really embraced it. I, I'm really happy that uh, she's getting involved with all the things with, you know, the Flyers Wives Fight for Lives and all the charity initiatives that the Flyers have. Um, she is back involved and enjoying it. And we want to make sure all our players, wives, girlfriends, et cetera, friends um, are in a situation where they're enjoying it as well. Um, That's one thing that we want to ensure that we do everything we can to make sure this is a destination for Mm -hmm. players to go. And word of mouth is, you know, the key to that. I can say it all I want, but if we're not doing that and executing for our players and their families, uh, the word of mouth is not going to travel the right way. Uh, we're trying to do things properly in that regard. And especially with your your passionate fan base as well. I mean, that that's the really cool part about you being here is that you could also sort of be that person that articulates the plan and is transparent with the fan base where, you know, Daniel can almost be behind the scenes and execute the plan. Yeah. And the good part about uh, Danny Breer is he's a great speaker mm-hmm. and he's got a really strong voice and opinion uh, that he stands by. And I really appreciate that part right. of the, you know, that's kind of an added bonus as well. Uh, being in the media here in this city, knowing this city helps. There's no question that um, there's a formula and it's about honesty. It's about making sure you're doing everything you can to make your fan base feel like they're important and like they're a part of it. And um, I think our fans are, you know, starting to feel that we have a lot of work to do. We've got a lot more seats to sell 
And we have a lot of competition in this city as far as athletics go with some teams and other sports doing a great job. Uh, we want to get back on the map in that regard. And I think we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, the proud uh, sports town and, and obviously the Eagles and Phillies prove that almost annually. Um, Torts, last question on the Flyers. What's it like working with him? Um, I, you know, it's funny the way that it is as an out-of-town beat writer. Like, I always love dealing with him. I've never had to, the fortune of covering him personally, probably good for me. But I will say, like, you know, the, that game against the Vegas Gold Knights the other day, it's a, you know, a tough loss at the end. A puck that if it goes a millimeter left or right, it's not getting through. There's no way Carter Hart sees it. But then as an out-of-town writer, you're like, I got to see how Torts handles this after yep. the game. And he handled it seemingly well. Uh, yeah, I think we all felt the way after yeah. that way after that game. That was a really good team we were playing. We just played Dallas prior to that and picked up a point in that game and beat Edmonton here yeah. at home. So three of the you know really top teams, or yep. at least going into the season, and our guys really held up. Um, being First two that periods, close, you guys were yeah, great. it was yeah. really good. And then in Vegas is a championship mm -hmm. team. They know how to win. They know how to surge. They know how to take advantage of the littlest mistake and. You know, we didn't get the puck out around 48 seconds left in the period and right. the third, and then eventually it was in the back of the net. And as you mentioned, had to go through a lot of bodies to get there. But at the same time, we're in a position where we're trying to build off of the good things that we're doing and learn from the negative. And there was a lot to take from that game. Most importantly, our guys stayed together, mm -hmm. performed well. We were in Vegas for three days prior, yeah. so I was really impressed how long, yeah. how well they hung in there. Yeah. It would have been great to steal yeah. a point, but Torts handled it extremely well, and it's been great to yeah. work with him. Somebody told me that he had a 50-minute morning skate that morning, so uh, maybe that was why uh, three days in <laughs> Vegas. Um, let me ask you, uh, there's a great example, though, like difference between your job now and your job four months ago. You know, that goal happens four months ago and you were between the benches diagramming every single thing. And now you're in the press box with the anguish of defeat. How 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 difficult is that? Is it? I mean, no, it hurts. Yeah, yeah, it hurts. exactly. It hurts. Yeah. Um, but it's a good hurt. Yeah. You know, it's good to be back in the fight again. Um, it's good to have so much on the line mm -hmm. on every shift. But it, there is some getting used to that. Um, you know, you go from analyzing both teams. Mm -hmm to really analyzing your own yeah. every shift for every player is an evaluation. Um, so it's, um, it's a different concentration and it's also one that comes with mm -hmm. highs and lows. And th there's a balancing act there was able to manage it as a player. I think I'll be able to manage it in this position, but it is different. Right. Um, what do you miss most about TNT? Because you know the fans miss you, obviously. Well, that's uh, nice. I, I mean, mean, you know, you were. Yeah, it's funny because with TV people, I don't know what it is. You either love them or you hate them. It doesn't matter who it is, right? I mean, you could have the. Best I've been like that myself, yeah. you know, and it's uh, it's interesting. You you know, you want to understand that your job is to make it seamless, mm -hmm. to make the fans have an enjoyable experience where you're not the show, but you're part of it. You're enhancing it but you're not ruining it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, if egos are there, it can make for a difficult broadcast. I think the best part about TNT was it was a team. Yeah. And everyone was in it together. And we, uh, we all got along really well, had great relationships with Eddie and Kenny and really enjoyed working with those yeah. guys. So I do miss it. Um, life was a little bit less complicated in doing that. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of fun. And I, I enjoy like doing this yeah. still getting out there and talking. And now I have 
you know, a team to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to put yeah. us back in a position where people are talking about us. Yeah. And that wasn't happening here in Philly for yeah. a while. Well, Kenny Albert, uh, especially, uh, I know him really well. I don't know if that guy has an ego. I mean, he it's, it's unbelievable. He doesn't. Yeah. No, and Edzo was great at sharing yeah. the mic too, because it's not an easy thing. Yeah. Three people, you know, talking about one mm -hmm. game that's moving extremely fast and trying to do it in a way that um, fans at home enjoy it. Yep. So a little bit of personality mixed in with, some quality analysis makes for a good broadcast. And obviously, uh, we all know that Ben Boma runs that oh, whole operation. He thinks right he does. Yeah, I yeah. saw you a note today. is 500th <laughs> NFL game behind the scenes. Way to go, Ben. <laughs> I was going to ask you, I'm like, what do you miss most about TNT and why is it Ben Boma? That's, so. actually, uh, that's what he would tell you. Yeah, that's for exactly. Sure. But you were, they always said that, you know, you were his eight-year-old son. You'd go on these like crazy long walks with him on oh, a daily yeah. basis. Yeah. And Ben, as everybody knows, has been... Essentially, Kenny Albert's right-hand man yeah. forever. Yeah. Uh, 30 years on, on NFL on TNT. Or, uh, sorry, Fox on yeah. NFL on Fox. There you go. Yeah. And then, um, but he's been a chief researcher in TNT and Fox and yeah, everything NBC forever. as well yeah. with uh, with Doc Emmerich as well. He's, yeah. he's just done an outstanding job. Yeah. Um, but what he is, is he's seamless. Yeah. Like, there's no drama. He's just there. Yeah. And he doesn't get in the way. He knows how to do that. But he also is around yeah does a great job so that's that's why it's worked for him it's a good lesson for yeah. young people trying to get in that business my favorite line in the article that i wrote on you back in in uh the spring when you took this job was kenny albert said uh i know where i'm going when I, if i need to keep a secret and i'm i'm still amazed that nobody knew other than really your wife i mean rick yeah. Taka didn't know yeah. ruby didn't know your closest friends you're walking every day with ben boma he doesn't know you're traveling around with kenny albert he doesn't know how do you how do you not let this out? Because I think I would have a gut uh, like a just you know diarrhea of the mouth. It was really hard, especially yeah. getting ready and prepared for interviews, mm -hmm. because I had a lot of friends that were in the, obviously in the business and in the situation that or the type of job that I was you know attempting to get. Joe Sackett comes to mind as you know President Chris Drury, uh, Tom Fitzgerald, Rob Blake, who was yeah. the GM in LA, guys that I played with and know personally as friends, Luke Robitaille. Uh, John Davidson. There's a long list, but I couldn't call anybody. Right to ask, like, dude, due I just, diligence. Yeah, yeah, I just, uh, so I just winged it. Mm -hmm. And I went in and just um, gave my feelings on what needed to happen and mm -hmm. how I was going to do that and, you know, convinced them that I was the right person to do it. But it was a hard thing. I honestly thought I was getting an ulcer by the end of it because mm -hmm. I was balancing doing the games. And, you know, when you're there, that's your job and you you have to do it to the best of your ability. And there's no distractions. So mm -hmm. it was a, uh, it was definitely some juggling going on there. But at the same time, uh, the most important job I had was the one that I was working. Right. And the other stuff was kind of on the side. Yeah. And probably helped me in the end when I look back at it because I had the, you know, the cushion of knowing that I had a job. Yeah. And I wasn't in a position. And unfortunately, some people are where they're, you know, need that job to mm -hmm. get back on track. Uh, that wasn't the case for me. Yeah. I think it kind of helped in that regard. When did you get the official call that you were taking and what was your reaction? You know, I, part of it's probably bittersweet that you're like, I cannot believe I got to leave this job was, that I absolutely love. Well, when I first got the, you know, the call that I had, you know, passed the test and was going to be the guy, um, the season obviously wasn't over. The playoffs were still on. And yeah. I wondered when I got the phone call, is this it? Like, mm -hmm. did I just work my last game on television? I figured I did. And then I was told by, you know, TNT, the Flyers, 
and the league that they were okay if I finished up and continued to do the work on TNT that I had committed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really happy about that. Yeah. You know, so that gave me a chance to kind of say goodbye to everybody, um, but also finish the job. And I'm, I'm really appreciative that I was able to do that. Yeah. But at the same time, I was, you know, getting focused. We were doing deals at the time, Danny and I, <laughs> and uh, it was, it was uh, some complicated days, but here we are. Yeah, there were definitely a couple, <laughs> I remember. Um, and a, a couple more for you, but um, your last game there in, in Vegas when they're about to award the cup and it, the game's out of hand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of you is probably sitting there like, oh, let's not make this about me. Yeah, um, for but sure. And the other part is mm-hmm. the game's out of hand. So you got to mm-hmm. like, hey, by the way, this is reminding yeah. you, well, this is it for you. What was that whole game like? Was it because like, I saw you right after and I was actually surprised that you seemed completely content and not emotional yeah. and not disappointed mm-hmm. and all that. Like. No, I, I felt good about the whole yeah. thing. It was, um, you know, I looked over at Bruce Cassidy. I mm-hmm. saw the look in his eyes and I kind of said to myself, one day, you That's know, what one, I want. one day. And then yeah. I did not watch the ceremony. I mm-hmm. walked out and remember that. let them do their thing. That yeah. was for them. They earned it. But I did, you know, observe the head coach and George McPhee, mm-hmm. Kelly McCrimmon, when they walked down and just the pure joy that they had in accomplishing all of their goals that night. Um, it left me feeling like it'd be pretty cool to do. And I'm really driven to try to, you know, bring that here to bring Philadelphia. To yeah. Last question for you. Um, you know, Brian Boucher talk about following your footsteps. I mean, uh, he has not only uh, now replaced you on TNT and getting out of his deal on ESPN to go to a place that I know that he really would value to work, but he's come here to Philly to take your job here as well. Yeah. And, and you know how big of a fan I am of Boosh. Um, I think he does a magnificent job on TV. I mean, I, I really, if there had to be somebody to replace you, he's actually a great, I mean, the, the perfect guy. Right? Yeah. I, I, I really pushed Brian Hart mm-hmm. to do what he did. Um, we needed him here. <clears throat> he's been a flyer. He is one of the elite broadcasters in the national hockey league. Uh, a good experienced guy, but knows how to tell a story and knows how to have fun. Um, that's what this yeah. organization needed. And the city I think has accepted him, which is great. Um, for TNT, it's a seamless fit. He'd worked with Kenny and Eddie before. Um, they treat you so well there. The, the travel is incredible. The you know, camaraderie, camaraderie is incredible. Um, it's just a really great place to be. So I, I'm really happy for Boosh, and I'm really happy for us that he's here. And he has a little more flexibility yep. by being with T- TNT to do more flyer games for us as well. And that's a real benefit for us. Yep, that's great. Well, <laughs> hey, again, congratulations. I know you're several months now into the into the job, but it still feels new. And uh, we do miss you on TNT, though, uh, Keith. But uh, as always, uh, really appreciate you joining. And again, lots of luck to you and the Flyers. Can't wait to see what you guys achieve here. I appreciate it, Mike. Always good to catch up. Thanks for the kind words. Yep. That is Keith Jones. Back to you, Julian and Ian. Here we go. What an absolute pro. What a pro. Mike Russo always tosses it back to us too. Great conversation. You know, my takeaway from that, like I love the story of him being on the ice. Vegas wins the cup. Already he knows he's going to be the Flyers president, but he soaks in for a moment and then walks out. But I'm left thinking, boy, I really miss Keith Jones on TV after listening to that in- interview because he's just great. Just so insightful. Yeah. 
I agree. Yeah, I I, I always appreciated his insights. Uh, I know I know uh, obviously primarily in the states you'd see him there, but those opportunities where though you see those simulcasts up to us in Canada, uh, seeing Keith Jones on on TV just explaining the game, providing his own insights. I always I always appreciate when he was on. I thought he had spent some time with TSN as well. Uh, very briefly, I don't remember when, but I feel like that did happen. Uh, at yeah, some point I think too. I feel like you're yeah. right on that. Like on trade yeah, deadline day, right? and stuff they would bring him in. Exactly they? right. So it's not. So even if you're in Canada, Keith Jones is definitely a familiar face uh, for TV. And uh, yeah, it, it sucks that he's not uh, back on our on our airwaves. But uh, at least to start off in Philadelphia, he seems to be doing well. Over. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, let's wrap up the, uh, the the Tuesday pod with a, a couple of news and notes items here, Julian. We'll start with this. Tuesday morning, the National Hockey League announcing Department of Player Safety will have a phone call with Bruins defenseman Charlie McAvoy for his, um, I don't know how else to describe this other than a very in- intentional, but certainly direct hit to the head of Oliver ekman Larson of the Florida Panthers. Like this is, boy, this is egregious. And, I say phone call, and that's interesting because that means he will get five games or fewer. But, I mean, you want to talk about a direct hit to the head and maybe a, a, like an in-person hearing? I wouldn't have been shocked. It was it was pretty direct, was it not, from, from McAvoy on, on uh, OEL? It looked pretty predatory to me. And yeah. I can't help but think of how the Department of Player Safety handled uh, the Rasmus Anderson hit a couple weeks ago on, on Patrick Laine. And how it seemed like they got that right. That also came after a phone hearing, which would have capped the suspension at five games. And those are the types of hits where, for those who don't remember it, but like Rasmus Anderson leaves his feet and elbows Patrick Line in the head, which leads to an injury. In this case, with 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 Charlie McAvoy, he, he pretty much skates right into to OEL's head and and knocks him down, which is again like like I mentioned before, predatory. Like it's it's the type of hit we don't need to see in our game. And while there is no leaving of the feet, it's still dangerous enough to be for me to think that three to four games should still be what's expected from this, right? Like I think I wouldn't have been upset if if it did lead to an in-person hearing, but I, I think the ultimate point for me here is the standard is, seems to have been set from earlier this year. It's on player safety to uphold that standard, and I feel like if we get anything less than three or four. We're going to ask a lot of questions about how they go about things. Yeah. Uh, and the other story I want to hit on, too, because we didn't have time. Remember yesterday, the Monday pod, I was like, okay, Julian, I got to run. I got to go do a feature. I can now tell yeah. you, tell the listeners, I was able to run and go spend some time with Brady Kachuk uh, and his wife uh, down at the Boys and Girls Club in Ottawa. 
Uh, oh, that's cool. They, they, they very, they try and do this pretty quietly, but they go down there. They, they spend some time. And I said, look, Brady, I just want to do something with you away from the rink. He says, come on down. So I had a great time with him, but that's why I had to cut the pod a little bit short Monday because I wanted to go hang with, with, with Brady and his wife. And it was, a am I'm, I'm looking forward to putting that piece together. But the thing we didn't get to was Joe Thornton's retirement announcement on the weekend. Now I'm going to put my cards on the table here. Okay. I thought Joe Thornton was already retired. I, like, <laughs> I, like, I am I the only one? Am I the only one who thought Joe, look, he didn't play last year, right? He didn't play last year. So I guess I just naively assumed he was done. And then I see this, oh man, Joe Thornton's retiring. I thought, am I the only one? So tell me, did you know that he, that, that he was still technically active until the weekend? So here's something else that's really hilarious too. Thomas Placanich also retired this past weekend. I also thought he had retired like long before. What do you mean? When's the last time that guy played in the NHL? 2020? Right? I'm just like, what do you mean he retired? Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. I saw like posts announcing this and I'm like, Thomas Placanich retired? Like he, he hasn't played legitimately. I'm pulling this up now. He has not played an NHL game since 2019. And he, well, I mean, he did spend the last few years in, in the Czech league playing Claudio at the very least. So I'll give him that. But like, I was stunned to find out that, that Thomas mechanics was still playing and, and had retired. So that's how I felt when I, when I, when I, when I hear you, when I hear you talk about Joe Thornton, uh, but, I, but I was in a similar boat too, right? This guy hasn't played in a minute. Uh, he was skating last week. I checked at, what, maybe at least a year ago with the sharks, but this guy wasn't really going to play again. That being said, hall of fame career for jumbo Joe uh obviously put up all the points the individual accolades the international accolades as well uh some people will remember a particular uh rooster comment that uh i don't feel like i should be repeating on this show it's a podcast Uh, you can uh hey joe what will you do if you get four (laughs) goals in a game yeah um you could just add all the bleeps here now uh producers uh no i i I think it's a really cool uh it's Kind of funny that he retired, considering he had been so many years away from the game. Uh, but yeah, Hall of Fame career for Jumbo Joe. And I will give a shout out to Thomas Mechanics as well. Uh, center I've watched for a long time with the Montreal Canadiens. The turtleneck, the standard turtleneck, uh, yeah. just a total part of his style. Uh, uh, Plecky riding off into the sunset uh, after an illustrious career. Mostly spent with the Montreal Canadiens and like a handful of them as a Toronto Maple Leaf. I don't know if you remember him. Uh, with the with the Toronto Maple Leafs, for like yeah, he had a brief cameo. Um, yeah, brief cameo. All there, right? man. Um, okay, we're before we go goodbye. Uh, say goodbye here on on the Tuesday pod. You said Joe Thornton Hall of Fame career. I couldn't agree yes. more. Slam dunk, first ballot. And by the way, because he's already missed the season, um, it's only this season and the next season that he's going to be eligible for the Hall. So he, it'll come closer than you think. A little fun trivia question to end the pod. Okay, Julian? Ooh, okay, all right, all right. Here we go. There are only six players in the history of the NHL who racked up more assists in their career than Joe Thornton. Can you and the listeners name them? Six players with more assists than Joe Thornton. Why don't we play three strikes and you're out? Okay? So if you get three strikes, game ends. Let's go. But I I don't want to see you. Look, I know you're... I want to see your. I put your hands where I can see them, so I okay, know that yeah. you're not and on look, and, Google. And, and my laptop was to my side. I closed it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Wayne Gretzky is definitely one of them. Wayne Gretzky, he's one for one, folks. 
Okay. Um, sorry, my voice is cracking there. Uh, I, I don't want to get this wrong. Oh, God. Uh, sorry, it's three strikes. You can take a couple of hefty swings here. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, God. Uh, trying to think of centers who would have put up a ton of different points. Uh, God. Is... Is Mario on that list? Mario Lemieux. Mario on that Lemieux, list? unfortunately, is not. Oh. I think he's yeah, he's twelfth all time. But Lemieux, the biggest issue for Mario, is, of course, his career was really cut short by injuries. Right? If you look at yeah, it from a it. per game per game perspective, he's he he's right there, but just uh, didn't play the games. So strike okay. one for Julian. Shoot. Okay. Maybe the I, listeners, ter- you play along. I'm all. Play I'm terrible. I'm I'm terrible at this stuff because I don't want to get this wrong. But I also put you on the, the spot here. You also put me on the spot here, but it's pretty obvious that Gretz is there. Yager should be there. Yaramir Yager. Speaking of Kladno. There yes. you go. You got two right. So Yager and Gretzky. Okay, Yager, Gretzky's there. Uh, <clears throat> is Mark Messier there? Mark Messier is there. Okay. So he's so, coming in, folks. He's got one okay. strike, three correct answers. Okay. Three Gretzky, to go. Messier, Yager. Um, is is Nick Lidstrom there? He might not be. Nick Lidstrom there. is not there. It's a no, strike two, folks. Oh, uh, Nick Lidstrom uh, is top twenty-five all time in assists, so that's not a not a bad guess at all. Oh my god! But, but Lidstrom is not. Blanking on all of this, I hate okay. this. I'm gonna give you oh. a, a huge hint. You and the listeners a huge hint. There are two defensemen on the list, and one forward. The forward, I will tell you is an active general manager in the National Hockey League. We need some Jeopardy music in the background. Oh, my God. No, the active general manager, uh, the active uh, forward is a general manager act currently in the National Hockey League. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Is it Joe Sackick? Joe Sackick. By the way, I don't. is Sackick even the GM? Oh crap! He's not a GM. He's not a GM oh, anymore. He's, he's, not out, GM anymore. he's not a GM anymore. No, he's out. He he got promoted. I totally forgot about that. He, oh my! He replaced him. He replaced and now we need clap. the uh, you know the Price is Right wah, wah, wah type oh, of thing. Uh, oh no! Second all time in assists, Julian. Seattle Kraken general manager Ron Francis. Ron Francis. Crap! He was really yeah. good. He was really uh, good. The two defensemen, Raymond Bork. Raymond Bork was the guy. Uh, crap. I was trying to think of him. Crap. I don't know Coffey. why I blanked. And Paul Coffey. You know what's crazy? Paul Coffey was in my head. I was just like, he was this great offensive defensive. I don't know if he was there. I should have guessed him. I hate these things. That's I all hate right. the anxiety it brings up in me. Damn it. Hey, Joe Sackick is 13th all time in assists. So all of your guesses were in the top 25. It's not like you, uh, you know, had a oh, guess that was so. God. Far off, right? Oh, I should have guessed pork and coffee. Damn it. So that's going to knock me all day. Six players that have more assists than Joe Thornton, Wayne Gretzky, Ron Francis, Mark Messier, Raymond Bork, Yarimir Yager, uh, and Paul Coffee. All Hall of Famers. All Hall of Famers, all first ballot slam dunk. Uh, Jumbo Joe is going to be in there uh, as well. Okay. Well, that does it for the Tuesday pod. I, I, you know, I think you did very well on that. I don't know. I think you're being too hard on yourself. 
You Maybe. did well. It's just, it's just like I, I don't know. I want to, I want to make sure I get these as right as I can. I got three. I got three out of the six. I guess, yeah. I, I guess it's not that bad. It's just they're all before uh, your time, right? They're all before your era. It's not. I mean, Thornton's the only guy really, true. truly from your era. So yeah, I, like Bork right at the tail end. Bork I, a little I, bit. I, yeah. Coffee maybe a little bit. Messier a little bit, but. Yeah, no, not really. But it's okay, though. I'll, now I know for tomorrow or some other day, I have to come up with some form of hockey trivia for you. Yeah, I'm in. Count me in. All right. Um, I'll figure something out. The king of hockey trivia is going to join us tomorrow, Wednesday. Down goes Brown, Sean McAdoo. As always, going to pop by the podcast on a Wednesday. Uh, we invite all the feedback. Love to hear from our listeners. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 845 445 8459. Thanks for listening to the Tuesday pod. Uh, follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us that rating and review. We appreciate it. We're on YouTube now at youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show. Julian and I are back Wednesday. Down goes Brown. Have a safe and happy Halloween, everybody. We'll get you again on Wednesday. Peace. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.